All right. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to another Tweet Breakdown at the Bitcoin Stoa. Tweet Breakdown is a short format show where we break down Bitcoin one awesome tweet at a time. And today, Eddie and I are going to be breaking down a tweet by the very man who leads Twitter, which is Jack Dorsey. Uh, current Moscow time is 1618 at 707149. For anyone who doesn't know what Moscow time is, it's how many sats you can buy for a US dollar and the current block being mined. And I think it's a way better and cooler way of timestamping episodes than just date and time because there's time zones and all that crap. Uh, as a reminder, the Bitcoin Store is a community-funded platform. If you enjoy listening, you can support the project by sending some sats to the QR code on our homepage at bitcoinstore.com. And you can also stream sats using the Breeze app, which is, has a really badass podcast feature. So with that said, the tweet was made by Jack on August 27th. Um, and it says, we've determined at... TDB 545 direction. Help us build an open platform to create a decentralized exchange for Bitcoin. Now he later changed that to TBD instead of TDB. So he made a little typo there. Um, but this tweet, I think really serves as a prime example of how important Jack Dorsey is and will continue to be for Bitcoin because of the position that he holds with Twitter and Square. And, you know, Jack, if you ever hear this episode, thank you for everything you're doing for humanity. Thank you for listening to this episode of the STOA. And I would love to host you one day if you eventually hear this. Unlikely, but may as well plug that. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Eddie? I, I think it really boils down to like the, de the concept of a decentralized Bitcoin exchange. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on the value that that can bring and maybe the, the need that it fills. Yeah, Nick, um, super awesome tweet from Jack Dorsey, and uh, I, I definitely agree. Um, he's one individual that I really um, enjoy learning about and uh, hearing what he's, he's talking about and doing. Um, and I uh, did have the opportunity to see him speak at the Bitcoin conference in, uh, earlier this year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really great to, to see him speak and, and uh, just the way he holds himself. So for him to be able to, to put his focus onto um, Bitcoin only uh, is really awesome. And a couple of my thoughts, as far as the importance of a decentralized exchange for Bitcoin, I think that um, in a world today that maybe um, most of us, including myself, don't really see a lot of the implications um, that uh, the positive implications that a decentralized exchange would be, and uh, also the potential um, uh, uh, roadblocks or issues that you could have with an exchange or a place where you purchase Bitcoin that is centralized. Um, I guess one of the, one of the things that, um, one of the uh, main points that comes to my mind first is just the idea of, um, you know, of, of, of foundational value of Bitcoin is that it is permissionless and uh, not, you know, thankfully I haven't had any these experiences, but um, with many, uh, with many, you know, uh, centralized exchanges, um, there have been issues with people withdrawing their um, Bitcoin or, or, you know, any of that. And, and so, you know, when you're going to a centralized exchange, you're asking for permission to, to engage in, in that network. And so I think that's kind of the first point that I, I, uh, that came to my mind as far as the importance of, of um, what a decentralized exchange could bring for Bitcoin and, and also just the ability uh, to continue to allow everybody to access the technology. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think the permissionless, like the fact that we have to go through a centralized third party 
who then becomes a potential choke point, not that they're going to do anything malicious, but if a hacker wanted to hack an exchange, it's a big honeypot of stuff. So they're a very attractive, um, I guess, organization to hack, very profitable organization to hack. But not only that, but they have to work within a political jurisdiction, right? Like Coinbase works within the United States and they are at the mercy of the U.S. government. And so I think the, the whole idea of a centralized exchange puts up a lot of um, attack vectors that I think can be de- like basically destroyed with a decentralized exchange, which really gets to the essence of a peer-to-peer system, right? Like in this case, we're not actually buying Bitcoin peer-to-peer. We're going through a third-party intermediary as we have with the legacy system. And, you know, I think it, it's very timely because earlier this week, people were... Um, getting really upset about Coinbase's new policy. And, you know, this notion of permission, not only do you have to ask permission, but you actually, according, I'm just going to read some points because I I took a screenshot of this, someone posted it, and it basically said that this is the new uh, information that you must give to Coinbase if you want to use their service, if you want to buy anything. So they got the usual thing, uh, please submit valid ID, uh, passport or driving license, um, please confirm which country you're uh, a citizen of or countries. So they're asking you for proof of multiple passports, which is like kind of sneaky. Um, please confirm the source of the funds deposited into your Coinbase account and provide supporting documentation uh, like proof of inheritance, salary or salary certificates. So not only do they want to know who you are, they want to know where you got your money from. And there's a bunch of other ones like provide three uh, months bank issued statements um, so that we can check transactions and, and you have to prove your address on it. Some of the really squirrely ones, and people can read through this themselves, but please confirm the source of your wealth along with supporting documentation, inheritance, property sale, investments, business ownership, salary. Um, please outline with an explanation and documents when you started trading crypto and how your wealth has grown as a result. Fuck off. That is the craziest <laughs> shit I've heard. I thought it was a joke actually, but it turns out like this is like actually what's happening in terms of what the US government is forcing Coinbase to request to people. So I don't know. It was really timely because I'm like, we we decided we were going to do this tweet a while ago. And then I saw this. I'm like, all right, this is just reiterating it. Um, and you know, that this whole notion of like, I'm sure what Jack wants to do is very different from what Jack can do. Right. Because the idea that like he's the CEO of Twitter, but like he's not majority shareholder. He probably doesn't have the most pull on the board. Like, you know, Larry Fink of BlackRock probably has more pull on Twitter's board than Jack. This is just the reality of how the world works and how money equates to power. So the things Jack wants to do are different from the things that Jack can do. But what Jack can do is create decentralized open projects that he is not a choke point for. And I think this is this beautiful thing we're seeing with Jack, whether it's like the home, the open source hardware wallet, the open source mining um, uh, equipment, like an open source ASIC or an open source source decentralized Bitcoin exchange. He's doing things that he's no longer in a position to be the choke point to stop. And I think it's a brilliant way of him using his position in a way that doesn't, that, that allows him to actually do this. Um, what do you think about those, those things from Coinbase, dude? Doesn't that seem ridiculous? Am I being outlandish here? Yeah, you're totally being outlandish, Nick. No, honestly, I, I honestly think that that is, uh, is pretty crazy to think about. Um, you know, I mean, for, for one, uh, I, I thought all that information was personal. I mean, you know, again, I don't know a lot of, of, of this, like, 
financial and 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 you know the technicalities of 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 all of this but uh why would i want to be telling someone you know why would i want to be sending someone my last three bank statements if i would just like to buy some some bitcoin exactly i think they're i think they're going through the phase now where they're trying to figure out okay there's going to be a massive wealth transfer there's going to be a lot of people getting rich off bitcoin as their wealth grows how are we going to get access to that how are we going to steal their money that's what they're thinking and i think they're realizing that the only points of attack they have are actually with the point the, the, where people buy their Bitcoin, right? right. And you know, it's on a, I, I've looked at BISC, which is a decentralized exchange. And my <laughs> hope is that, you know, whatever this TBD 545-66975 just aligns with BISC because it seems like they've already done a lot of the work to understand this. The one thing that I'm, I have trouble grasping is like, okay, even if you wanted to go through BISC, if there's some sort of, like you still have to extract the fiat with current bank rails, right? Like for the money to come out of your bank account and go to um, BISC, you need some sort of uh, legacy rail to do that on. Who knows? Maybe maybe that's Cash App. Maybe Cash App will serve as a, as a rail from the banking system to the decentralized exchange. And the hope is that as soon as things enter the decentralized exchange, it's full privacy where like you get to determine how much information... Because, you know, I think people conflate privacy and secrecy. Secrecy means you're like literally trying to hide something and keep it a secret. Privacy means you have the right to determine how much of your identity you're divulging with each transaction, with each interaction you do on the internet. And, you know, governments basically say privacy is not good because it allows criminals to do what they do. It's like, dude, criminals are always going to do what they do. And they do it mostly with US dollars, PS, not with Bitcoin. Um, But it's this like weird excuse that they use. Oh, if we don't, if we don't have full access to everything about you, you could be doing something bad. And it's such a backwards, power-hungry, gross way of viewing things. And yeah, so I have seen tweets like this gives me hope. Because when you see that Coinbase bullshit, you're like, that's gross. And the fact that they are such a monolith now that people basically, you know, Coinbase is just going to, they're going to dust themselves by doing that. That's how the world, that's how the natural order works. Um Brian Armstrong, get your shit together, bro. Like, come yeah. on, that's that's craziness. Yeah, <clears throat> a couple things that came to mind uh, when you were listing off all of those uh, new changes and like updates as far as what Coinbase is going to be requiring from their customers is, um, yeah, you know, maybe maybe six or seven months ago, I started hearing the word KYC being thrown around, and I was like, what the heck is KYC? What's KYC? And I didn't even really pay much attention into it. I'm like, okay, I'm on this you know, learning journey with Bitcoin, I'm going to eventually figure it out. Right. Um, but this is exactly like what we're talking about right now. And and I feel like it has a few implications that come to my mind is that, you know, um, why would I want anybody else to know, like when I buy Bitcoin and, and, uh, you know, that, that, I think that that it's a good point that you that you make. It's it's all really about um, how much information you want to divulge um, at any given point in time with any transaction, and the ability to basically remove that third party um, and not have to tra- uh, place any trust. Um, like you said, really is the is the uh, essential peer to peer network system, which is which is what we're working for. So, yeah. um, and, and just even having a global marketplace, like Coinbase mainly works in the U S I can't use strike in Canada because they're in the U S they're not certified in Canada yet. The idea of creating unstoppable code that transcends all national borders and that allows anyone 
Like maybe some people have to do it on a Tor browser with an onion routed link with the VPN. Like maybe some people have to go to that extent. But the reality that with good practices, I could buy Bitcoin from someone in China. They could buy Bitcoin from me as long as we get the legacy banking rail sorted out. And I don't know how that looks. Um, but at the same time, if I buy something with my credit card, I don't have to give all the information of where I sent that, right? If I send an email money transfer, they don't my bank doesn't ask me like, who are you sending it to? Why are you sending it to them? What are you buying? All this kind of stuff. It, they just have a trace of where it got sent to. But I feel like the cypherpunk mindset and the, the fact that there's so many smart people working in this space means that any problem, like this problem with Coinbase that just came up, it's going to be solved pretty quick. We're just going to build a defense system to allow people to circumvent the intrusion of their privacy um, that is happening because Coinbase seems to think they have all the power in the world and they could just do that. So yeah, I think it... Um, I'm really excited to see what the decentralized exchange has in store in future, because I think it's a missing link with Bitcoin. Um, certainly having something that's easy to use, prioritizes privacy and is naturally peer to peer, which allows for a truly free market to form um, is going to be really cool. And uh, thank you, Jack, because he's doing some good shit that I don't think we're I don't think we're realizing how important these things, these little seeds, like these little nuggets that he puts on Twitter are like little tiny seeds, which aren't anything right now and are still deciding what they want to be probably. Um, but you see things like this and you know, under the radar, there's a lot of stuff going on that's going to benefit us all. And uh, yeah, any final words before we wrap this one up? Yeah, Nick, uh, not, not too much, except that, you know, I am really excited to learn more about, um, you know, the different projects that are existing today. Uh, that helps solve these problems. And, uh, you know, just kind of working through Twitter and, and, and scrolling down uh, on a couple of those threads, um, it, just, it's, it just gets me really fired up and, and really excited that um, the larger community is starting to come together and build things that uh, we all want. And I think that it's just, it's, it's really exciting. And I'm just really happy that we were able to shed some light on uh, this tweet today. Yeah. And I think that's the coolest thing. One of the coolest things about the Bitcoin community is they're, they're builders, right? They're not just complaining about problems and like hoping someone solves them. Like they're, they're building and coding and creating and without an action oriented, capable community to do these things, um, which aren't going to be permitted quote unquote by the legacy system. Um, it probably wouldn't get done. So to everyone listening to this, if you work in Bitcoin or know someone that does, please thank them or thank you because you're the reason that we're all going to, that we're all going to make it through this, that we're going to get to a Bitcoin world, which is a better, more transparent, honest, accessible world for, um, for planet earth. So thanks for listening to this episode of tweet breakdown. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and we look forward to creating more episodes and also inviting other contributors to create tweet breakdown episodes because there's so much goodness in the world of Twitter and the idea of breaking down Bitcoin one tweet at a time and showcasing some of these special humans and what they've said in the Twitterverse um, is, a, is a lot of fun to do. And I think it's a cool way of putting content out there. So if you enjoy the show, you can support the STOA by sending Sats the QR code on the homepage. Thank you for listening. Eddie, thanks for, uh, thanks for being here today and having a chat and uh, ciao for now, everyone.